you. We're so glad you're all here. Um, if I can reiterate, it's not Thursday, it's Wednesday, our meal, and everyone is invited. It is always a very well-attended um, meal where the church provides, the deacon board serves, and our staff. Um, but it's on Wednesday, which might be a little bit different. People work through the week, so please try to make your best effort. Because we've been having meals on Wednesday night and they've been going so well, we didn't want to kind of rock the boat and then change it to a Sunday night, so we've kept it on a Wednesday night. Um, but it's free. Bring your family. If you've got neighbors, if you've got loved ones that are around that you would want to invite, bring them. Um, we would love to have you. Um, if you have signed up for a casserole or a turkey, Help me remember, at the end of my sermon, I need you to go get it. Do not leave here without it. Um, go home and bring it and cook it and bring it back. Uh, but, um, and then afterwards, we're just going to have a very uh, sweet, fun time of decorating the church. It won't take long, but with that many people here that can help, it will be quick. Um, it will be awesome, and I believe it will be good connections for you to, to work with each other. Amen? So come, sign up, come. If you forget to sign up, come anyway, but try to sign up. Uh, but we're so thankful that you're all here. I also want to go back to what Bill was talking about, about this missions trip to Mexico. I don't know if my wife Elizabeth mentioned it or if Bill mentioned it, but it is a connection to Jeremy and Robin Pickens, who are a part of our church. Uh, Jeremy and Robin were here for the last about three months with us, but prior to that, Jeremy and I went to Uganda together. Those that went on the Uganda trip back in 2008 or 9, Jeremy and I went together. Uh, I really kind of think Robin went too, and they wound up staying longer. But uh, Jeremy's mother actually was my secretary for a time. So Jeremy and Robin, um, a part of, what was the name of the ministry? The Nehemiah Fund. Um, so we are going to support those that have come out of this church and are work, doing God's work there in Mexico and uh, it's a great way to take a first missions trip because it's not far, it's not expensive. I don't think we're going to be eating crazy stuff-ish. Mm uh, you got to have some experience. You know, we got to get outside of our doors, outside of our walls a little bit. But $800 for a missions trip? Come on. This is a great opportunity to be able to really be hands and feet of Christ, to be able to work and also be able to feed and also be able to minister. So, and if you feel like, man, I don't know that I could minister, you can. You can. Just go with us. Um, so, please sign up. Bill will be in the back uh, getting ready to try to get some, uh, put some information together. One good thing about this trip is you don't have to have shots. If you go to Africa, you got to get loaded up on the shots. It's not a big deal. I've done it. I would go again. Uh, but this is a very, in my opinion, um, easy, easier trip. So, all right. We have been talking about vision still, and we have been in Matthew uh, where Jesus has told us to go out. And I've kind of uh, gotten stuck in this area, and I really, I was really praying this week about trying to move forward, but I just can't yet, maybe after this week, about when we come to the cross, when we come as a new believer, or if we as a church have a new believer to come to Christ, what happens then? Because we come up, we get moved emotionally, the pastor gives a good sermon, the Holy Spirit begins to draw that new believer out saying you need more. You come to the cross, you get free, and then you get sent home to hell. Hell's still at home. 
Anybody ever left church feeling great, full of the Spirit, and you got home and hell was waiting for you? Well, don't you think, wouldn't you think, if you didn't know better, that you would think all of a sudden the sun's shining, there's rainbows everywhere, and there's piles of cash everywhere, and health and food and banquet tables, and that's just the way life should be the rest of our life. Anyone? No? When you came to Christ that first time, did you not think you had the world by the hands? Then you got home and realized, I don't. Well, the problem is we do not have that next step of education to be able to say, this is why. Again, I'm going to kind of show you this uh, example. We're born, we're born, and we're relatively clean. I mean, a baby comes out, and it's not clean. They get wiped off. We come out. And this is us. This represents us, our flesh. And as soon as we can, we sin. And we get this all dirty. This really isn't a good representation because it's white. It should be nasty. Uh, mine, let me just tell you, mine's nasty. If you go and look at my history, it's nasty. Uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, um, bad thoughts, bad words, bad actions, um, hurt people. Uh, just lots of stuff. Just about if I could if I could get anywhere near it, I would do it. I had the attitude, my parents were teetotalers, teetotalers didn't drink at all, so I was driven to drink just because they didn't drink. That's just flat-out rebellion, which is of witchcraft. It's not good. And I'm here to tell you, I battled it. I got saved at five. Man, I hadn't even started sinning yet. I got saved at five. And I got back from getting on my knees and giving my heart to the Lord. And sure enough, temptation probably showed up five minutes later. And I failed. So we get this, we have this robe. We're dirty. We've fallen down. Anybody ever fallen down? Anybody ever gotten dirty? Anybody ever bought a new car and you can't get it home before you get it scratched? It happens. We get bumped and bruised. Um, anybody here buy that first coffee mug and take the first sip and the coffee pour all down? Anyone? That's why we changed it. <laughs> By the way, if you've already bought one, you don't have to pay for the free coffee again. You get it at our cost. And it includes a magnet of our vision. So get that. Put that up on your wall. Um, so here we go. So I come to Christ. I get moved. The Holy Spirit draws me to him. I come, I pray a prayer, I genuinely mean it in my heart, and at day one, day one, I get covered by the blood of Christ. Day one, covered. I got issues. Y'all notice? Covered by, by the blood of Christ. I'm just going to have issues. It's all right. Let me just be a mess forgiven <laughs> forgiven day one from the moment I truly give my heart to the Lord I am made righteous. I am put in right standing with God the Father. 
it doesn't matter what's in my past. Christ paid the price for me, cleansed me. Now when God looks at me, he sees Christ. He does not see me from day one. So you can see why it's exciting on that first birthday of giving your heart to Christ. But I go home, and the things that I'm struggling with, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your family, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's TV, whatever. And I get home, and there it is, and I'm still enticed to do it. Why? Because it's still there. It never says that we will not be tempted the rest of our life. Christians go home and don't realize, hey, I'm still going to be tempted. I need to get prepared. My life just started. Think about when you were a baby. How much learning has to happen? You have to learn to cry. You have to learn to eat. You have to learn to walk. You have to learn to go to the bathroom at the right spot at the right time. Then you got to learn how to say not to say no or say no at the right time and not to smart off. Anybody here ever had to learn to not smart off? Anybody here still learning? Adults? It's amazing. It doesn't take me much for somebody to push my button and sarcasm comes out harsh. Harsh. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) Well, you were thinking it. Well, sorry. So, again, we've been looking at this thing between justification and sanctification. I'm going to go back. I'm not quite ready for that. But we get home, and you know what's happened is when I've gotten covered by the blood of Christ, and now I've received what Christ has paid for me, what I don't realize is that I've been given the power over the things that I face at home. I just don't know it. And even if I do know it, I don't know what tools to use and what tools I have and what to do. So if you're here today, and you've been a Christian your whole life, but you're still battling That's normal. You're not the bad black sheep. You're not the black sheep because you're still struggling. The problem is you have not learned how to fine-tune those tools that God has given you and start having victory over that sin. Don't raise your hand. How many of you are still battling unforgiveness? (laughs) Thanks. You can't help it. Me. There are tools. If you will fill up on the right thing, that forgiveness will come easier. What happens when we start to fill up on the right things? This sheet, even though it's so nasty, starts to look like this sheet. We start to look more and more like Christ. How does Christ look? Christ is able to forgive us with us doing the worst to him. He forgave us ahead of time. So you can see that as we begin to realize, if you're addicted to, um, to meth or to TV or to pornography or to alcohol or to whatever, to lying, to cheating, to lusting, I want you to know you feel like you can't get free. You can't on your own. 
But if you will allow the Holy Spirit, if you will allow the Word of God, if you will allow the body of Christ to work in you, you are going to succeed. It's a promise. How many of you know the Word of God to be completely true? It is 100% true. The place that it fails, in my mind, is where I don't line up with it. That's where it fails, when I've misunderstood it or I've applied it in my own way. Anybody here ever taken the Word of God and tried to apply it your way? Did y'all catch me? Anybody here ever try to take God's Word and spin it to where it kind of justifies what it is that you're wanting to do? Uh, the results at the end of that are not good. God says, no, we're not going over here. We're going here. Go here, and I'll protect you. I'll be with you. Justification happens at the cross. Sanctification is the Holy Spirit now working through us to clean this one up to look like this one. Jesus takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. We're justified, given his righteousness and grace through our faith. And once we're saved, the Holy Spirit starts from that point working in us. Prior to us giving our heart to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is working for us. He's trying to get us. He's coming from the outside in. He's trying to draw us to him. Once we receive his spirit, he starts to try to work through us. Are you with me? Even though we're declared righteous... We still struggle with sin, but the Holy Spirit is changing us from within, so our outside starts to look more like, uh, our us starts to more look like Him, because He is transforming us. Can I take this off? Transforming us. You are going from your white sheet to the red sheet, being transformed. Do you see that? That we seek to be transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Taking who you are and begin to be transformed into who Christ is in you. Paul makes it clear that we are going to experience turmoil as believers. And new believers as well as old believers need to understand this struggle. It's normal. The fact that you are battling an internal war against sin and you feel bad about it and you want to win against it is evidence that the Lord is in you. Did y'all hear that? The fact that you want to quit, that you know it's wrong and you're trying to turn but you're, you can't hardly, is proof that the Holy Spirit is working in you. What the church needs to do is to equip the body to be able to take on the things that we're facing. That's one of the major roles of the church. Because when God looks at us, he sees that we by faith are covered by the blood. And he also sent his Holy Spirit to change us. And we are becoming more and more what we have declared to be on the outside, completely justified as this process of sanctification occurs. In 1 Peter chapter 18, let's dive into the Word. 1 Peter 18. I don't know. I've messed up. Miss Savannah, help me out. I don't even see my scriptures here. 1 Peter, right here. Let's go there. Savannah, have I just got it wrong? 
Oh, all right, thank you. For you know God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was paid with the precious blood, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. My point for this, these whole three weeks of me preaching is, to, is for you to grasp this. So many times we come forward and we pray a prayer and we go back home to hell and we give up. I want you to know from day one, Christ paid the full price for you with his blood. It is done. You have been paid for by the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ that is completely pure, that is the only thing that can wash your sins away. You may say, I don't feel like my sins are washed away. Well, feeling doesn't have anything to do with it. You believe his word. He is saying right here from day one. He has given you an inheritance. That inheritance is what his son, Christ, uh, deserved. And he has given it to you through the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, God chose him, Christ, as your ransom long before the world began. But now these last days he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. When you came to Christ and you obeyed God's word and gave your heart to the Lord, you were cleansed of your sins. Now, church, if you have come to Christ, I came at five years old. Every time that I sin past that, as long as I come back to Christ, repent, ask for forgiveness, I get cleansed again. Did you see this? It says that I was cleansed from my sins when I obeyed the truth. Part of my walk is that when I fall, God's given me a way back to come clean every time. I don't have to walk a day in my life and not be declared righteous. I have a way of becoming righteous again, even when I fall, because I turn my heart back to the Lord, give it to Him, give Him my sin, ask for repentance, and walk the other direction back to the Lord. When that happens, repentance comes, and He covers me with His righteousness again. That was, that was a lot of, a lot of yakety-yak. But do you follow that as Christians, he's given us the way we were cleansed at birth, Christ's birth, at, as Christian birth. Then as I fall down, I have a way of being cleansed again by obeying the word. Are you with me? Kind of. Where have I lost you? Where have I lost you? So, we come day one, give our hearts to the Lord. We are cleansed by the blood of Christ, covered in his righteousness. Then as we walk throughout our life and we sin and we fall down, we have a pathway back in obedience to God's word to come by repentance. When we come by repentance, we are then covered again in his righteousness. That sin that we've picked up since day one is cleansed again. It says right here, that you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love. There has to be fruit to show that the decisions that you made is really happening. If you're not changing, 
if you're not transforming, if something's not happening within you, something's gone wrong in the process. Are you the same as you were a year ago? Are you the same as you were when you were five years old and gave your heart to Christ? If you are, then we've missed a step. And that's why the church is here, to be able to come and say, hey, I see where you're struggling. Let us walk with you here. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you know how to pray in the, in the Spirit? Do you know how to get in the Word and start to dig this stuff out? And as you obey the Lord, you're going to see change happen in your life. If we're not seeing change and we're not seeing transformation, then something's wrong. But the reason we need the body is so that when I rub up against uh, Mark and Debbie, I see change in their life and they see change in mine. If they don't, then they need to speak up. Justin and I, as we walk together, if we're not seeing change in each other, part of my job is not because we work on staff together, but to say, I love you enough to say, hey, what's happening? And him to say the same thing to me, he has before. What's going on with you? It says, for you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. I want to encourage you. I've got some steps that are just basic steps for um, really the Christian, the Christian walk. Just a few simple steps that I would encourage you to begin to try to start. We've got a new year coming. Uh, don't wait for a new year. Um, way back in 2008, I was incredibly overweight and was wanting to try to lose weight. And it was, I think it was December 27th. And we had uh, New Year's parties coming up. And y'all know how you eat at parties. You know, it's just pure fat. And you just eat and eat and eat and eat. And then you suffer for the next few days, and you got to keep Tums next to your bed, and, you know, anybody have issues, eating issues? So Elizabeth said, why don't we just wait until after the first of the year, and I'm like, why? That'll just be another 10 pounds i got to lose. Why not start today? The best time to start is now. The best time to start is now. So let me give you just a couple tips, and these are not, uh, yeah, these aren't lightning bolt tips. You're going you're gonna to get this, but personal st Bible study plan. I've given my testimony multiple times, but I started reading uh, the Word of God every day, the one-year Bible back in 2001. And I will tell you, it is one of the primary major changes of my life. Just the one year, just reading it 15 minutes every day. And I honestly did it out of anger. My wife guilted me into it, um, and I did it just to... I don't know, I, it was not the right reason, but I can tell you by being in the word, even for the wrong reason, God reached my heart and started changing me. If you're not in the word of God every day, you need to be. Try not eating for one day. See how that makes your body feel. You need to be in the word. Number two, you need to meet together at the church. You need to be connected to the body of Christ. And I don't mean just a Sunday morning service. I mean connected working with each other, talking with each other, fellowshipping with each other, being able to develop relationship to where you can hear what people are going through. And what's so unique and what's so neat about you is you are a specific part of this body that will start to function. 
Maybe it's a finger, maybe it's a hand, maybe it's the brain. <laughs> Jesus is the head, by the way. If you didn't know it, Jesus is the head. But you may be an elbow, you may be a knee, you may, you may be a major organ, you may, you may be an elbow. How, try, try doing stuff without an elbow. It doesn't work. You are a part of this body. Next, serve others. Serve others. This one's major. Um, something, uh, I don't remember who taught me this, but uh, one of the best ways of getting out of the hole that you're in is helping somebody out of their hole. One of the best ways of getting out of that cloud of depression that maybe you're fighting is to start helping someone else. All of a sudden, when you see someone else's problems, you start to recognize mine aren't that bad. You go to Mexico and see what these children are going through and what Jeremy and uh, Robin and, and uh, what they're facing every day. You'll come home thinking, I've got it pretty good. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to encourage you, start serving others. Big one right here, and this may be completely foreign to you. Give to others. Give. The kingdom of God is about um, sowing and reaping. The kingdom of God is about sowing and reaping. Do you know that if you sow mercy, you'll receive mercy? It's about sowing and reaping. Uh, my mom always told me, you reap what you sow. You know, I never even knew what that meant for the longest time. I'm like, I hate that expression. Because she always said it to me at some negative time in my life. You reap what you sow, whatever. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I do know what I'm talking I do know what she's talking about now. If I sow bad seeds, bad, seed, bad stuff comes up. Um, but God has showed us that if we will sow good seeds, we will reap a return. And God is a God of sowing and reaping. And he's saying if you will just sow your seed, part of that is giving your time. Part of that is giving your money. Um, part of that is giving your mercy. You may say, man, I'm not much full of mercy. Then it's going to cost you more. And I believe your return is going to be greater because it's going to take more effort. Anybody here does it take great effort to give mercy? I'm one of those. But I want you to know that I would love to receive mercy from others. The way I do that's by giving mercy. You know what? Christians don't know it. We've not been taught it. You need to give mercy. We need to give. Amen? We need to be in relationship. We need to be in relationship. You are not called to do this on your own. We need to be in relationship. It says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. That if one falls down, there's someone else there to pick them up. If one gets cold, the other one can warm them up. But if one falls and doesn't have anyone around them, they can't get back up. They can't get back on their feet. And a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. I believe, as I've said to you before, in marriage, I've put that with the husband and the wife in Christ. You wove the, weave those three things together, it's not going to break. You need to be in relationship with fellow believers. Something that may be new to you is humility. A key component of God's word is humility. And that's hard. That costs you your opinion. 
that costs you your stance, that costs you your fight. Sometimes we just need to be humble. It says that God blesses the humble. It says that he exalts the humble and he presses down the prideful. And we need to share our faith with all that will listen. We need to be sharing the hope that we have found in Christ. Now, one that I have on here that I somehow missed on the PowerPoint is prayer. Do you know that Christ, that Jesus said he didn't want his, his uh, church to be a, place, a, a house of music. He didn't want it to be a house of uh, eating. He didn't want it to be a house of playing and um, stuff. He wanted it to be a house of prayer. You may say, Pastor, I've never known how to pray. Well, that's why the church is here, is to teach you how to pray. I want you to know in this church, we have got some incredible prayers. You need to get around people that pray because it's contagious. It's fun. Sometimes there's fireworks going off and you kind of want popcorn and a drink to watch. It can be incredible as God starts moving through prayer. God says you don't have because you don't ask. Church, you need to learn to pray. Pastor, I don't know how. Great. Come hang around with us a little bit. Come to prayer night next Sunday night. Let me tell you, they pray the house down. And it's not weird and kooky. It's real. Prayer is not weird. Let me pray. Father, I need more in my paycheck. Father, I need my kids to be off drugs. Father God, I need freedom from pornography. Father God, I've got these thoughts. I'm going to talk to you and let you know about them. Father, I love you, and you are so awesome, and I recognize you moving in my heart, and I just ask you to just deliver me from these things that I'm walking in. I can see them coming, and I can't seem to run from it. Can I tell you, the Apostle Paul says, I know what's right to do, but I still do it. I know I'm not supposed to do this stuff over here, but I still do it. The Apostle Paul. So when you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm still battling this, and I've got, I, you prayed for me to get free over this years ago, and I'm still battling. Welcome to earth. Welcome. We're going to keep battling it. The, 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 the failure you're going to have is if you stop battling. And you know what? We're going to equip you. We're going to get you filled with the Spirit. We're going to get you filled with the Word. We're going to get you connected to the body so that when enemies start showing up at your house and you don't know any better, then somebody says, uh, that person shouldn't be in here. Um, I'm helping uh, do Spotlight for uh, Beauty and the Beast. By the way, if you haven't seen Beauty and the Beast, it's great. Children's theater going on right now. Go see it. It's so awesome. But we've got rules of people being in the light booth. And people will look around and say, you're not supposed to be in here. It's obvious. You shouldn't be in here. Well, the problem is the enemy shows up at your doorstep, and you think they've got a right to be there. When the body of Christ comes in, they come and say, hey, there is a weird-looking clown outside in your yard. Did y'all ever have the clowns walk around? Did y'all ever see the clowns walking around town a month or so ago? If you don't know any better, you just let them stay. No, we need to run them off. Set your do dogs after them. Spiritually. 
that note, <laughs> um, you know, I just feel like I have a, a good analogy, um, and it's funny this morning, and you don't even know that this is what I've been doing, but I set my alarm early. Typically, I get up early, and I study because the house is still quiet, and he, he comes in really early. Um, but this morning, I got up, and just so you know, we're having family in tonight, and my family knows me. Um, my family knows that I'm working on my PhD and that my dining room is where I study and that the dining room table you can't find. And that's fine with me. And I don't care if my sister sees that. I don't care if my kids see that. I don't care if my, my dad sees that. It's fine. But my sister was going to bring some people. So guess what? I thought, this is so humiliating. I cannot let these people see this dining room like this. And let me just say, it's not just a million books and research and documents and everything that's coming out of my ears, files, it's horrible. But when Paul's daddy passed away, his mother downsized and she gave us quite a bit of like family heirloom dishes type things. So guess what happened to those boxes? They're in the dining room. So I've got a huge mess. So this morning, I woke up, and I'm scurrying around trying to pretend like my dining room is for fine dining, and I'm trying my best to clean it up. Oh, I'm stuck with boxes everywhere, and, and, and so I, I, at some point, and especially as you were talking about this, and I texted my sister to see who else she was bringing, and I said, I'm trying to pretend like we have a clean dining room. And as you started talking today about, you know, what, how sin affects us. And, and, you know, reading this scripture about, where is it? The imperishable. Where does it say that? Here it is. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. You know, when we start thinking about our sin and trying to pretend like we have it all together, I can't clean myself up. I can't get it right. But I have that imperishable word that abides in me, that abides in you, that, you know what, we can do this. I can do this because when God, when Father God looks at me, he doesn't see the mess. He sees the blood of Christ. That's what he sees. And it's alive. That word of God, that imperishable seed is living inside of us. And so I don't have to pretend. I don't have to pretend. I just have to be willing, like David to say, create in me, O oh Lord, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the spirit. It's by his spirit. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never done this, I want you to do it this morning. And you don't have to think about cleaning yourself up anymore. Because you know what? He's going to do it. 
He's going to cleanse you from all sin and all unrighteousness. And it's a beautiful, lovely thing. And I want you to know I still make mistakes. But I go back and I repent and the Lord cleanses me and I live in his presence and it's good. And I don't have to pretend. So just close your eyes for a minute and with nobody looking around, if you've never made a decision for Jesus, if you have never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, I want you to know today is your day. Today is your day. And so just if, if you would just raise your hand and ask the Lord to be your Lord and Savior today. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm not going to do anything with you. I'm just going to pray with you. And you know what? Nobody's looking around. So if you would like to ask Jesus to forgive you today, if you would like to start over with him today, if you would like a second chance, raise your hand. It's never been easier than this. I see hand. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, 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 it's not too late. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just everybody pray together. For those of you who raised your hands, you know who you are. And so, Father God, we come to you this morning. And, Lord, we ask you to forgive our sins. We just confess any sin to you this morning. And so right now, I just want you to call those things out. You can just, in your, in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud unless you want to, but just say those sins. Confess those sins to the Lord. And so, Lord God, right now, we just thank you that you forgive us and you cleanse us from that sin. Lord God, we thank you that we don't have to pretend. But Lord God, you see us how we are. You forgive us. And you clothe us in the blood of Jesus today. So Father, we today just admit that we're a sinner. We confess our sins to you. Jesus, we ask you to be Lord and Savior of our life. And we just declare that out to you in Jesus' name today. We believe in our hearts and we confess it with our mouths. So can we just make that confession today? Just repeat after me. Lord, we're sinners. And we ask you now to cleanse us of our sins. And Jesus, we confess you as Lord of our lives. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, let me just encourage you as, as we wrap things up. I want you to know that if you have made that decision, you are covered. The blood of Christ has covered you. And it is the Holy Spirit's job to work through you. But your job is to yield. Your job is to gather this information from his word, to be filled with the spirit and to connect to the body. The woman with the issue of blood had struggled with a health issue her whole life, came to Christ and said, I believe that you can heal me if I could just touch your garment. And Christ said, your faith has healed you. What faith? Her faith in Christ. Your faith, your belief, your walking this out according to God's word. So I want to encourage you.
plug in. Get in the Word. Get in the body. And let's have some victory. Amen?